G'day, these fans. It's Stuber and the Crows on a very excited episode. Uh, we, we, we were itching to get this off earlier, but uh, but we're here now, Cruz. Oh, uh, look, Stuber, I still am finding it very difficult to comprehend what we achieved. Um, it was a miraculous come from behind victory, uh, and possibly one of the greatest wins in the club's history outside a big final um just given what was at stake for for both teams and um now Geelong's path is much harder to a potential grand final berth um and now having one less game to to get ready and prepare for um whereas we get the one extra day and play the Lions on neutral territory um but, but, but no, let's, let's focus it. Put everyone else aside. This is about the days right now. Oh, well, we're going to get there. We're, we're, we're gonna get. We're going to get really. Into Don't dampen my read, Cruz. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't be that guy. But but, but oh, forty-four points down. We were forty-four points down in Geelong. <laughs> Nobody the second would... biggest comeback in the history at the Cattery. It's the biggest, it's the second biggest outside of West Coast, I believe, um, earlier in the 2000s. I think they brought up in the telecast. Insane. Absolutely incredible scenes. 44 points. I know eight goals down against a Gold Coast and beating Gold Coast is one thing, but doing it um, against oh, Geelong, this who is was... not in the same category. Come on, mate. Exactly. We, we, were so this is a, that game. That was... we, we are playing a top two team. On their home deck, eight goals down, and and to win that game, um, where does that fit in for you, Stu? I, I, like I said, I think it's one of the, it's probably the greatest win I've seen outside a big final, um, given what was in at stake. My, in my shorter time on earth, there's other D's fans who are a little bit older who could probably, <laughs> might be able to pick out other ones, but um, just the kick kick after the siren from Gorn, um, being at the Cattery, the same team that they gave us such a shellacking back in the day to really stick it up them and, and really put havoc in their finals um, is, a, is a nice little touch. Um, and aging Geelong, they're also the team. I love beating Geelong. I love beating, <laughs> I love beating them the first final um, in 2018. But um, yeah, this, this overtakes probably that one, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely, Stuart. I think being jumped in the second quarter, I, I wasn't the only one I uh, put my hand up and say that I was considering managing plays in, in late in that third quarter and even through stages of the fourth quarter um, and just wanting to put players on ice, knowing that they're going to potentially travel on six days to play uh, the red hot Port Adelaide. But I, I think that goes to show just how uh, much these guys believe in each other, the confidence that they have in their skills and, um, yeah, I, I think if that doesn't make them comfortable flag favourites, um, then I think uh, you're not doing your due diligence given how many A-graders came to the party. Even Petrarca, who was off um, for the most part, came in that last quarter. Gorn, who was, um, although he played well, wasn't at his absolute best until that last quarter. Everybody stepped up when the game was on the line. Um, I think the only only players that were probably great all game were Oliver and Lever. I found that, that the two that kept us in it um, were brilliant. One being Oliver, two Lever. And I think guys like Gorn and Petrarca stepped up when, when the game mattered most, but obviously Stephen May and a handful of other good contributions in that last quarter, whether it be Spargo chiming in for a few goals, Pickett kicking a few goals. Um, with his physicality around the ball, Angus Brayshaw's defensive plays. But that, 
that I think, I think that last thirty seconds Stuart, could not have um could like the that's roller coaster not emotions. The umpire just butchered the call. Uh, butchered which, that call. Which we were dominating the clearance. Kicks it out on the so call. I don't agree with some of the AFL people saying, "Well, that might have been over." No, not not in the slightest. You had yeah. the a ruck situation that they only played one one full fledged ruck, and so he he was absolutely flagging at the end there. Um, mm. Blitzarves wasn't playing doing much at all in the ruck, and so he was getting absolutely dominated. Dangerfield was in the forward line. Selwood was on the bench for the most of the fourth quarter, so that they were. Managed. What? So, so that's. I will get on to to, to, to Geelong, but I, I read about that. I didn't realize because I was so nervous. Selwood had sixty-four percent game time. Guthrie what? had seventy-one, and Dangerfield had seventy-six or something like that. But it, and then in the last quarter, he also spent eight minutes of that. So part of that was eight minutes in the last quarter on the bench, and then they also threw him forward, which is oh what they God. did in the Influence Grand Final with Richmond up this. I hope that's not was, his strategy because that's a failed that, strategy. Do you think that was managing the players because they thought be. they, were, they were going to win and the game was already done or just because they were generally managing players because they might have been nursing injuries? Hopefully it was the, the latter. I, I think Surely. They're, they're, they were definitely managing players. That It just doesn't make any sense why you do that. Even saying that, in the third quarter, we had ascendancy in the clearances, so it was going to happen. Um, I, th- I really thought it was interesting, some of the comments from some players like Clary made some good comments about how we structure up to, to change the momentum. So he said part of the issue in the second quarter is the defense is set up, especially in the clearances. Geelong was getting at the front of the clearance and getting um, direct line into their forward line, getting uncontested uh, kicks inside 50, which is just making it far too, a small ground like Geelong. It's just far too easy to get a score that way. So they had mm-hmm. to make sure they, put a stop gap on that defense, which just means the guys were overly aggressive going into the contest in the second quarter and they just need to back down a little bit. Um, the other bit was that in there, when we kick it, we also had some shocking kicks inside 50, especially in the second quarter, which got, had the second part of it was that they had the rebound 50s and they had this God awful kick down the field. I really hope John doesn't win the grand final because that's the worst game style you've seen in the AFL. <laughs> I don't think they can, Stu. I mean, I didn't. I just don't think that they can beat. Um, well, one Port this week, but I don't think they can beat either us or or Port in a big final. Um, given our speed and and Port Adelaide's speed, well, and that's um, what. And you you bring a really good point there because how we got it back is that. Well, interestingly enough, they actually talked about Geelong um, trialing different things in this game. It was actually Goodwin who trialed something completely brand new this year. He played, instead of having Salem and Bowie play further back in defence, he actually brought them up to the contest and not a kick behind the ball, which in the second quarter didn't actually work out for them. So they then switched in the third quarter, Salem went back and that caused a lot of, and he ran up at the contest, which caused a lot of, um, a lot of, which is what we've been doing all year, which got us much better inside 50s. Salem had really good piercing kicks. And what a, what a pickup Bowie has been for the side because he's just really unleashed. That teams were cracking down on Salem, and this has given yeah. him a new new lease on life. Absolutely. I think they've got a really good balance. Now they've got two damaging kicks down there. They've got two uh, really good lockdown defenders. One guy that's really athletic that can that can punch the ball into the sixth uh, um, 
Rowe, that being Smith, and you've got guys like um, Brayshaw that pushes back in defence to help out those guys. Gorn, even as as the Ruckman does so. So it's such a good unit um, down there, Stu. And I think I don't see Melbourne allowing um, goal after goal after goal in the finals uh, the way they they did in, in, in the second quarter of the game against Geelong. I think we were just caught by surprise and I don't think we would let that happen again to any side. So I think that's another positive to take from that because if you take away that quarter and, and our goals were different in the final quarter, we were, we were storming home hard and Geelong just had no answers. Whereas in that second quarter, it was just almost as if they, they shocked us to the point where we were just a bit frazzled rather than just being beaten. Um, oh, that's the way I interpreted it. Um, so I, I, I take a lot of confidence out of that because um, I just don't see us getting, what, five, six, seven goals in a row kicked on us like that. I think in a big final, these guys will say, look, this is what happened. This is what we'll do if, if a team kicks two or three, for instance. And what's with home yeah. ground home ground umpires and free kick counts? Like they, The umpires swung with the momentum, so we got some good free kicks in there in the last quarter and cats just stacked up the free kicks to be yeah. um, six, six in front in the free kicks, despite losing, losing clearance 34 to 28, despite losing the tackle count 70 to 61 in so 50 tackles, 20 to six, even contested possessions. That's not a markings of a, a team that should be in front and in a free kick count yet. Somehow they oh. e- I've noticed free kicks now that I'm actually paying closer attention to the umpires. If players, and that's, I think Cam Guthrie was a good example of that. Gus Brayshaw is trying to help his team win the game with 30 seconds ago, hacks it forward, the ball trails out of bounds. Now, Cam Guthrie's gone at the umpire saying, deliberate, deliberate, deliberate. If you always ask the question, you've spoken about this, put the pressure on, then umpires are going to pay it most of the time. And if it wasn't for someone smart um, like Jake Lever, he saw that that Geelong player punched the ball um, when it was out of bounds and he put the pressure on the umpire. I think they're two examples, regardless of how close it is to the end of the match, the umpires, if they put pressure, have to make a decision. And in the split moment, they might make the right one or the wrong one, but you have to put the pressure on. And I think that the more experienced, the more cunning teams do that. We've got a lot of nice players that probably don't buy into that, but I think it, it helps. If, if you can do it strategically and do it when the when your team really needs it, I think ask the question, regardless of whether you believe it honestly was deliberate or not, just, just put the pressure on the umpires. Which is other teams. The, the footy gods, footy gods came back and, and, and fixed that one. Cause no, Cause no reason why Gorn, Oliver and these hard players doing that, but they should, because they earn, they should be getting more free kicks. They should be getting looked after um, because they're the champions of the game. Well, yeah, Stanley was just hacking. Was just hacker hacker gone that game. <laughs> hacker gone. <laughs> well, get, get rid of the mole. It was just hacker gone that game. Uh, and, anyway. and and Stu, just just on that, I think I was so excited that um, uh, I went to the G the following day for a little bout of exercise and um, I just had to, to walk around the empty stadium just to, to feel alive because it'll probably be the closest uh, that we get to the MCG in September, but. Um, with word coming out that the finals are more than likely to, to well, the, just the third and fourth weeks are likely to take place in Perth. Um, I think if we can, every between now and then, maybe visit the MCG if we're, if we're within the 5K radius, then we should and soak it up because it's, yeah, all, I think to win minor premiership is, is really difficult. It's, it speaks volumes of the, the consistency 
um, of all the players. So I think now um, the work isn't done, but it's 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 a positive result. It does mean something. It means that you've you've That's earned huge. the right to to, okay. you to hear the players. Have two like, home finals. Players after the match, Petrarca's interview is incredible. Oh, how wrong was that? Yeah, gone. Uh, it meant a heap to the boys, and I think part of part of what got it for me is that. We did it against Brisbane, coming back from from behind, doing some tweaks. We did it against, uh, obviously Geelong in Geelong. It's the sign of a team that the teams that do that they can't bring to mind that the, the teams never out are the the teams that go on multiple year championship runs. Um, so the Hawks yep. and the and Richmond, the famous thing and Geelong back in the day was they're never out of the contest. You're always wondering when are they going to come. And we're starting. We're going to start building that perception, not only with fans and media, but also amongst other teams. Where they're like, when are they going to come? It's not a. It's not a question of if they're going to come. It's it's when, which is such a positive sign. Like, part of me was like, oh god, do I turn it off? But then I was like, hang on, no, we're top of the ladder. <laughs> we're still in this, and uh, sure enough, yeah, that was awesome. That's true. Just finally. Be honest. Did you think Gorn was going to kick it? I actually did. Yeah, I backed him in. Um, you could you can generally tell if a player's got anxiety, but he's really come a long way. Gorn, he's he looked really um, whatever he, he whatever training he's got in that space. Um, some people live for the moment, and some people kind of rise to the to the occasion and, and thankfully we've got some players who really do like Petrarchi said last quarter he really turned it on Oliver knew the moment and kicked some really critical goals in the thir- third fourth quarter which was at picket we have some play a lot of players who really rise to the occasion which is a sign of a really good team as well uh, we might touch on some of the other games of what a super what, super what a wild week what a, oh yeah, well, 24 hours if you include the Port Adelaide Bulldogs game, but three games going right down to the wire, all having huge consequences on the uh, the, the final standings of the eight. Unbelievable. Do you want to touch on Port and the Dogs first? Yeah, I think so. I, I was watching that game, and I think like many people, Port Adelaide showed after being jumped in the first 15 minutes that they were the superior team um, and dominated all the stats and and completely obliterated the Bulldogs um, out of the centre. They, The Bulldogs, who have seven or eight midfielders that can run through, they're all, all very good players, just had no answers for Port Adelaide. But Port just couldn't put it on the scoreboard. So at some point you think Port is just going to hit the front and go, pull away, but they just couldn't hit the front. They were missing a lot. Then Bulldogs would go down and kick a goal or two just to keep that breathing space. And at some point you thought, wow, the Dogs are just going to win this because they're in front and Port can't kick straight. But I think the better side did win. And although it probably meant that our game was more of a must win um, from the perspective of having to potentially travel to Port Adelaide if we lost, I think that they were the better team. And I think when you're watching two teams play this close or this deep in the year, you, you generally think the better side wins and, and Port Adelaide proved that they were and I think had they lost um, it would have been more a situation of Port Adelaide losing the game rather than the Bulldogs winning the game and Port Adelaide are, uh, the dogs are in shocking form they've lost three in a row and they deserve to be outside the four if you ask me what do you think Stu how did you um, what did you make of that that contest between the power and the dogs footy gods again they spoke in two, <laughs> in two games the um, 
they wheeled Brisbane over the line. They got, <laughs> footy gods got the uh, scoreboard error with the timer. <laughs> timer. Oh, yeah. That's I right. forgot about that. To, to get them into the finals. And uh, yeah, Bulldogs should, should never have won that game or even be close to winning that game. Like Port should have actually put the game away based on everything they'd done. It's just they kicked themselves in the foot with their inaccuracy in front of goal. And then also the, some of the inside 50s were just picking out dogs, which was uncharacteristic, very similar to us, actually, where the first half we just were really inefficient going inside 50 and we were just take, kicking it to the advantage of Geelong. Similar, Port was kicking to the advantage of the Bulldogs defenders, which is hard to do when they're undersized and, and not not the grace of defenders going around. So, um, yeah, they, they just... And I thought what was really interesting, very similar to us, is they decided to take advantage of the midfield situation, take a few, uh, run with the ball, run and carry out of their clearance and just bomb it forward. And that was a real difference um, in the second half. Wine started to take the ball forward. Boke was massive, took a lot of ground, um, really smart use of the ball and went unchecked. Uh, what are the Bulldogs doing? They, 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 can't, they don't have the desire to defend anymore. It's, it's yeah. really interesting. No, and when you think about all their midfielders, other than Liberatore, a lot of them are, are well, uh, not. Well, they they, just, they don't really run hard the other way. I've, I've, I've paid clo- I paid close attention on Friday night, and I thought, oh, that's worrying. You got guys like I know Trelaw and Dunkley haven't been fit for much of the year, but they look like they struggled to push hard the other way. Bond and Pally, that was one of the worst games he's played. Um, once he's when he reached elite status, since he reached elite elite status um that was one of his worst performances given everything was on the line and that that's no um criticism of him as a player but on the night he just did not have a good night and i think he will want to play much better than that free side this week and lead by example because if they can't they can't lose this week otherwise there'll be a lot of questions asked in the postseason and players might be um a lot of players might be on the trade table because that is a good list that is a good list that they own. If they're not but, making the but four... I made this comment to you after the game. I think one of the misnomers about the Bulldogs list is they're probably like one to 10, like elite. Like they have one of the best one to 10s in, in the competition. But then then like they're, they're a strong bunch, like 11 to 35, incredibly even, but they might not have the same upside or the same capacity as, as other lists that have maybe the one to one to 25 might not be as strong as other, other teams, but they just have that consistency, but it, that might be part of the problem that they're facing right now that they don't really know what their best team is because they've just got a whole bunch of hmm, pretty good, but not, not sensational. Yeah, Stu, what did you make of um, Bonton Pally and Hannon spending portions of time in the ruck when you've got Tim English who Beveridge said that he's, he's a forward ruck not a ruck I thought really? Hannon was the bad one they 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 got dominated <laughs> they that, that was group. bad that, but um, what, what, all of a sudden Tim English is not a ruckman like I don't I didn't understand what he meant by that like surely he's a ruckman I think I think teams have learnt from that Richmond game and all the decent rucks in a competition have learnt from what Richmond did where they put um, who was it was it Edwards or something they put they put well, just consistently well, Pickett, putting yeah, Pickett. Pickett or tiny players on. I think teams are starting to learn against that and, and, and actually yeah. practicing practicing against that. And so, and Bulldogs surprised teams doing it last year. So, I don't think not against good 
good good nah, luck. And you can't if you do that against Essendon, good luck. They're gonna Draper will absolutely tear. Draper will actually cause an injury if, if one of those two players <laughs> does it against Draper. Yeah. Enough about Essendon. We're not giving them any uh, time until later. <laughs> actually, we might because I think Essendon might beat the Bulldogs. Actually, really, it's in Tassie. Yeah, maybe in Tassie. That's true. Yeah. I look, and I don't like games being played at that venue. I'll just say I, I don't know if in the, the best wins, team is going to win in the win. It's going to exacerbate Regardless. the issues that they have in defence, which is the worry. If they if they leak goals in defence, that's not a good ground to play just because they're going to have, there's going to be two quarters where they're going to be under immense pressure in the back line, which Besson's actually showed that they can, and Tip and Woody's probably going to come back and yeah. So I won't give too, uh, too much of a, a pump up. But no. yeah. And that's not even the most exciting time. I think the battle of the bridge will be a better. I know, but it's a Launceston. And I'm like, Oh, I wanted that to be at a fast deck where we could see the goal, the ball the just ping around. Great yeah, at the Gabba. Like the Gabba would have been great. Um, AFL trying out to of our control, the, the Tassie government. I think on that, but one. The, I think the Lions just quickly they they um, thoroughly deserve the win because it's not easy um, when you know how much you have to win by. But they just kept finding something else, finding something else to, to keep marching forward. And I think Although ultimately West Coast was missing eight, like missing eight players on a team that had already lost eight of nine. I think. Yeah, I appreciate that. West I Coast do appreciate it. But they found but they, they were competitive. That was the most competitive West Coast had been in a month. And at the, at the end of the day, Brisbane still had to win by 40 points. So it wasn't like two or three goals. 40 points is still a enough of a win. So I think they found something something within that made them deservedly finish inside the four. And I think West Coast, there has to be some moving and shaking around at the end of the year because they've got too many A-graders um, to not even be playing in the finals. That's quite disappointing. Old, a lot of them are old A-graders, which then drives yeah. the question, are they still A-graders, which they might not yeah, be. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Although some of them might be banged up like F. Um, a couple of points on Brisbane um, because we're playing them in the week. We'll try and get another pot out going more in mm. depth into this, but real quick, as I promised you before we started, Talking Zorko over the last six weeks, number two in score involvements in the in the competition. So need a lock underrated. Down. Yeah. Uh Rich Harms had uh Harms to Zorko, potentially. Although yeah, you probably have some sort of a role that someone who can it might even be a def- like Smith or someone defensively who he's a more of a forward running midfielder than a pure midfielder. Mm-hmm. He plays more of that forward running midfield role. So maybe yeah. it's a defender that takes it, picks him up. And then um, Rich, um, Daniel Rich has gone absolutely nuts. He's um, he had eight score involvements for a guy who spends most of the time in the back half to have two off the highest score involvements in the game, which was equal ten. Um, that's yeah. They have to put some work into Rich. He can't get the easy kicks and transition. Mm-hmm. The one thing Brisbane's last six weeks. They've their first for score, uh, first for points, first for scores inside fifty. Uh, sorry, if efficiency. The um, they're also third for points off turnover, and also first for points from clearance. So that they're offensively going incredibly strong, but they haven't played anyone higher than Frio, which was in Perth, mind you. But they've, okay. they haven't played any good teams, which is tough as it. You can only beat who you can beat, but it's a tough way to go into the finals, only playing good point bottom teams, whereas Melbourne 
coming off Brisbane and actually getting challenged. It's very different being challenged by um, by a good team in Geelong in Geelong mm-hmm. than being challenged by a team that doesn't want to be there in West Coast Eagles in in the at the Gabba. Yeah, yeah, really good points, Stu. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I think um, being match hardened, we've thankfully regained our our form from earlier in the year over the last few weeks, and the Lions look like they've. Um, performed much better but like you said they haven't really beaten anybody of note um but we will have to put time into rich and maybe hurt him make him more accountable and certainly can't allow virtual to 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 play a loosish role and he's very slow so we've got to utilize that matchup and make that player lead hard and and hit him up every time to make him accountable as well well we also we have to take what we learned from the geelong game which is get the clearance but then run as we did against well which we did against brisbane in the second half where we started running, get the running carry, get speed on the ball, and their defenders are not not very fast at all. They actually have one of the slowest back lines in the competition. So even if Dan Andrews... Uh, sorry, Dan Andrews. <laughs> leave, leave Dan out of this podcast. <laughs> leave Dan out of this one. Even if Andrews uh, comes back, which he probably will, um, yeah, they should be... It should be um, too too good for them. The one thing I'll, I'll just mention: so, out of all the top ten, eight teams playing each other, I think I got this from First Crack um, podcast. These are eight eight and two playing fellow teams in the top eight. We've had the equal highest GWS had the equal highest in ten games against uh, current top ten, top eight teams, um, but they went five and five. Sydney six and three, so they're a danger team. And then Brisbane had the highest uh, percentage against current top eight teams, but four and four. Um, so they really, they beat the teams well that are below them, but they, they haven't showed that they can consistently beat the best, which gives you that, that lever ledger. Um, do you want to go into the Australian? I, I will, but I just want to pat you on the back, Stu. Well done on those, those stats and hopefully... The D's catch wind of this podcast because there's three or four really good nuggets of information that you've provided that would help us to towards winning this game and utilizing that lack of speed in the the Lions uh, um, back half as you alluded to, including um, Adams and Lester and some of these guys that are good in the contest, but once it hits the ground, um, probably will be left wanting. When you're talking about Spargo, Neil Bull, and Pickett, these guys running rings around them, hopefully. And their their most important player, I would actually say, is Bailey because they lack that speed. And he's a young player. I would actually put, if Clary can get really, and Petrarca can, and Viney can really work him over and get really physical with him, he's a player you want to work over because he's super damaging goal kicker. And he's one of the, he's probably their most important player because he has speed in the midfield, which they're sorely lacking. And he his two-way running is something which they desperately need um, to be any chance. So I'd actually put a lot of work into him as well. Yeah, well done. Although, Alrighty. don't put don't me, put me up in that category because I think the D's now have sufficient coaching. Oh, oh no, they no, can... Stuart, don't, don't sell yourself short. There's some really good stats you just reeled off. So, oh, oh, Australian. So, congrats to congrats to May Lever, Salem Gorn, uh, Brayshaw, Petrarca, Fritch. No Brayshaw. Oh, sorry, no Brayshaw. What am I thinking? No Brayshaw. Everybody else. Was in there. No Langdon either. Um, no Langdon. But I think all the other guys are deserving of making the squad. I guess 
who out of those six or is it seven um, will, will be included in the final team? I think I, I think Fritch, they'll probably not include. He probably deserves to be included, but they're going to fit an extra midfielder. Yeah, in, that's what they do. They're going to put Petrarca in, in the forward line. Half forward flank. Oliver midfield. Uh, uh, Salem should be in there. He's had a few quiet weeks, but he's on form. He should be up there. Should be helped by the Geelong game because he was sensational. May should be there, but he's the only other one. Which Lever, Gorn, Petrarca, Oliver. Oh, they're the four Oliver. givens. They're the four givens. Like they, they are locks. Lever definitely, um, Petrarca and Oliver, and they're all should be starting. Um, I guess you're right. Fritch probably misses that because of the the um, the 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 need for having six midfielders um, across the forwards and the midfield, uh, the forwards and the backs, which is not really how they're going to do that. Team I'd, should rather, be picked. I'd rather Fritch to release out to Boke than I don't know whoever yeah. he's going to lose out to if he does. Um, so that's who else? I'm just having a quick look, Stu. I mean, Stringer's had a really good year. He makes it. Um, Tom Stewart had a really good year. Jack Steele shouldn't be included. Charlie Cameron. I mean, Oh, that's that's debatable whether he deserves it. No, I think God, Toby no. Green, is he in the squad? Yeah, he's in the squad. Toby Green deserves it. He's been sensational. Oh, Charlie Cameron's a great player. I don't think. What are his stats? We should look at his stats. Um, but from the eye test, I don't think he was in the. I mean, maybe worthy of the squad, but probably definitely not the um, starting eighteen. Or what the I, squad what I don't get is, I think Langdon's really hard done by for the wing role. I think they're actually going to select a wing role. I think Sam Walsh is a. Should yeah. win for one side, but I can't like Amon. Yeah, okay. But surely maybe Langdon, McCluggage. He had a good year. McCluggage will be up there, but surely, yeah, surely Langdon should have been in the conversation in the squad. And the forwards, I think Hawkins, Franklin, and Mackay. Surely all three can't be in the team. I don't think Franklin makes it. He missed too many games, and he missed a lot of games, didn't he? I mean, he, he had one game with six goals like this last week and he had another game with a high score, but that kind of brought his average up. He wasn't actually kicking that many goals and missed all the games. Yeah, and I heard someone else say that Sean Darcy's ahead of Max Gorn. I'm like, what? What? They, they finished 10th. He, he might what? have grown as a football. Yeah, uh, who was it? Was he it might a, have been Jason He had a two-game patch where he was in the conversation in that two-game patch, but I'm not sure you... <laughs> yeah, look, he had a, a very plausible year, but to even use him in the same sentence as Gorn is quite insulting, I would have thought, towards the great man, Max. Um, he made the squad, though, which... He did. That's why I'm raising it, because I was like, wait, I was, one, I didn't know he'd made the squad. Two, I'm like, yes, his stats are good, but, you know, um, Gorn's single... A big part of why Melbourne finished minor premiers... Um, not a good comparison, but other midfielders, Stu, Took Miller, so this year, Par- Parrish. I mean, Zach Merritt surely doesn't get in there. Parrish, yes. Um, like, I'm just looking at no. Sean Darcy's stats. So 16.6 disposals, well He's, down. 4.3 marks, well down. Um, 28 hitouts, well down. Like, what's he being, What's he doing better? Like, 4.7 clearances. What's he doing better than Max Gordon? Like, not a single... Yeah, I, I look. That's I nuts. think the way Dunstall and I like Dunstall um, as a, as an analyst, but I think he was saying that Gorn, as good as he is, 
it would be nice to see a young Sean Darcy because Fremantle are a less talented team. I'm like, well, that's not how you pick all Australian teams. So you don't go based on who you're dealing with. You're based on output and winning games for your team, which Gorn is probably one of the the most responsible in this list of 40 that has a, has so a large So it's basically like the third place. Like, no, sorry, the, the, um, you know, those ribbons they used to give out when we were going through where <laughs> yeah. you placed. Yeah, like exactly. You, you finish the race and you get a ribbon. Like, that's kind of like that attitude. Like, no, he's covered that out. <laughs> They're not in the same conversation. Yeah, well, and I then that, Rising Star should be coming out. Well, we should be able to talk, we'll talk about that uh, yeah. later in the week. But yeah, real quick, it sounds like the media, the media does this. They, they already kind of settle and are already, and they're, they're the ones who vote on this. So they've already set who it's going to be before it's come out. So looks like Luke Jackson's going to come out in a landslide. Um, yeah. And I think that's pretty clear. I think Mitch Georgiatis has shown some good signs, but very good. Um, it has and then to be Tom Green Jackson. for GWS. Yeah. Tom Green is a big body midfielder slotted into the system nicely. If he'd stayed. All throughout the year, it would have been a closer competition. But yeah, Jody, those are the clear top three. And then everyone else kind of dropped down. The most consistent might have been James Jordan in terms of consistency. But they, I don't think they, yeah. they... SEN does like a rookie of the year where they do three votes for all the candidates throughout the year. And James Jordan ranks really highly. I'm not sure if he actually finished top. I don't think they released it yet. But And, and quickly, Stu, I know we'll talk about the best and fairest in a later podcast, but who... There's so many deserving winners. Who this this far out? Who do you think is likely to for the uh, days take it out for the days? Because I'm thinking, is it, oh, is it Weaver? Question. Is it Gorn? Is it Petrarca? Is it Oliver? And I thought, wow, all four of those guys would be deserving. What? Is this this is best and fairest, or is this um, Brownlow? Because best and oh yeah, feel free to say whatever. I think Brownlow will be either Petrarca or Oliver. That'll be our highest poll Probably getter. But Oliver, it, Oliver's just been more consistent. He has. Um, BNF is hard because they we haven't been to games. We haven't seen stuff. Like, I can understand why Viney gets so high in the votes now. He just does stuff. Like, he ran 50 metres to Shepard Pickett at one stage. Mm. He, he sprinted yeah. his guts out to just put a, put a Shepard on to give Pickett an extra few metres to get the ball yeah. over the top for Fritch. Like, that sort of stuff is absolutely unbelievable. So I think the coaches really rewards that. That so can we also can I can we scrap the best and fairest in terms of the umpires voting? Can we have like the like the coaches votes be the actual? Okay, I wasn't even aware of that. You know, you know how the coaches have the ten votes, like the coaches vote at the end of the game, and there's a coaches. Yeah, yeah best like it's like a best uh sorry brownlow for for players yes 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 yep. that's right yeah i think we scrap uh, my personal take is why these teams who have one one good player and no one else is anywhere any any good like we shouldn't have it we shouldn't have a competition where joe watson gets the best player when he's clearly not the best player um Cochin got it He's clearly not was not the best player that year. He was just a really good player on a really crappy team. Can we, can we get? Can, yeah, like Oliver. Right. Oliver's much better. Like has had a better season than a lot of these other players. And, yeah, and he's because, in the best team. <laughs> just because he's in the best team with, and then the coaches vote. He's like we have three or four players 
up in that top bracket. No, no one else has two. Like, it's yeah. It should have been Oliver in the land side, but because um, Ollie Wines is so much better than everyone else at, at Port and um, Bontempelli is, is so is much he... better than Western Bulldogs, yeah. Western Bulldogs, they're probably going to be closer in the brown though just because no one else is stealing votes from them. Yeah, it'll be an interesting um, count night, but I think or, those or two Tuk guys Miller. will be hard to beat. Tuk Miller is just a oh, prime example yeah. who might win. <laughs> That's the, you, he's, not even, he's, a, he's a good player. Is he the best player? No. He's a good player. Is, that's that's true. He's a is good Tom player. Mi- did Tom Mitchell deserve to be? No, he's not the be- he wasn't the best player. He just got a lot of possessions yeah. in a really crappy Hawthorne team. Yeah. Anyway, rant over. Exactly. But I, I even I think it might have been Dunstall as well. I'm going to pot shot him twice. Or and a few other people have said this. The Tukmill's been the most consistent midfielder in the competition. I'm like, it's been well, the most consistent just... player at Gold Coast. Maybe Gold Coast, but not not broadly. I don't think he'd be in anybody's starting win, midfield. Should he win? And no disrespect to him. Yes, yes, he should win their BNF. Should he be the best player in the competition? No, <laughs> nowhere close. No. no, I agree. So I, 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 I hopefully oh, one of the Melbourne boys. I get like, up, but I, I like the NBA model where they have the standalone voted for best player, and they have the best, most improved player, and they have um, first team, second team. I think. If you have the first team, second team, third team, I think you, you don't need to go three three teams deep. Instead of doing a 40-member 40 40 squad, you have first team, second team. You might be able to get your Sean Darcy's of the world, their second place medal. And that might be the way to do it. But, yeah, scrap the – umpires don't know what they're talking about. They don't Umpires struggle with knowing if the ball's kicked out of bounds on, the, on full on purpose. Sorry, if it goes out of bounds on purpose or not. So – don't put don't make it so hard for them that they have to decide who is the best player in the game. They're, they're struggling with the decisions on the field. Don't make them that's true. Don't get them extra rocks. Take it out of the hands. This is probably why they're making wrong decisions. They're saying, is that guy I know I'm meant to be a judging a cane in game, but is this the most influential player? They've they've got too much on their hands. Just take that away from them. They can't deal with I the agree. responsibility. I agree. Maybe we'll see them. Yeah, make them make them full time and uh, take that responsibility off them. But don't give it to peanuts like Dunstall or anything like that. We need a we need a good, and don't give it to the the tribunal people because they're also shocking. Absolutely not. They've uh, <laughs> been consistently poor at executing. So yes, and AFA House that they they botched that Tasmania. <laughs> The only reason why Tasmania is getting games is because they botched it up a few times. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we've done. We've gone probably longer than what we wanted, Stuber. But like you said earlier, covered more topics. Pod, yeah, we covered more topics, and I think we've 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 um, yeah, really got through quite a bit here. But like you said, if we endeavour to get. Uh, a pod later in the week after the teams have been announced, maybe on a Friday, a quick one, just to sort of go through our predictions and key matchups for the four games and um, what what uh, that looks like. A quick one, because we might yep. not get there before the Geelong game. Geelong Port, who you got? And this time, sorry, got, sorry everyone who's listening, I did not put a prediction in. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you didn't, Stu, because your prediction would have been well off. I think yeah. it was closer to me in the end. Um, yeah, I thought they were going to take them quite easily, but uh, that was not the case. Although happy that we've got the win. So no, I, I, I've, I've been on record saying Port will win, um, and maybe Geelong will be competitive because they're a proud 
disciplined side, uh, but I don't see them causing any problems on a six-day break against a fast Port Adelaide outfit on their home deck. So I'm saying probably closer to four goals for Port. Well, I think it'll be close. I think it might be within two kicks. Oh, wow. Within within 14 points. Now, Vida. But Port Adelaide is, I think, six and zero against um, within 14, within 15 points this year. So, um, yeah, they win the nail biters. So, um, Geelong, and, and I Geelong think there's word that like high scoring games, they, they control the ball. So, it'll come down to whether Port Adelaide can stop them. Can one win the contest and get if 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 Port Adelaide win the contest and get it for the ball like the D's, they'll score at will. But, um, as, as long as they're not bombing the ball like we did first half, but if they learn what they did against Western Bulldogs, they put the same attitude in and they should win. Yeah, no, that, I think Port will win, and I think Geelong might <laughs> might face uh, being eliminated in in two weeks because they more than likely travel Perth and play the winner of uh, the the Giants and Sydney, and I don't know if they beat either one of those teams. But, if they but go out in straight sets, things, is there any chance that the Suns could lure? Scott across. I think that I think they will. I think they'll throw the kitchen sink if that's it. But I don't know if it's a bit of the Jew. best. Coaches. I think Jew was that's one nuts. of the best coaches, rated by many people, us included. And I just don't know what's going on down he there. Has, he has no. Not, he didn't have much below him to help him out. No. And that, but he's a very good footy one. I like Stewie Jew. So he hopefully did, he does remain coach because I think he's a good football brain. What what if you had Alistair Clarkson as your senior assistant? Oh, he still he's, he doesn't have to have all the all the expectation and all the stuff in the world. But he can even be that Paul Ruse like director where he comes in and swans in as he does a couple of hours every week and gives his nuggets. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, you do want to see guys like Clarkson, Russ Lyon in the system. So if they're afforded an opportunity to coach again, then um, why not? Yeah, I don't know this whole business that he's going to go away traveling Clarkson when you can't even travel outside of Melbourne. So I'm not sure how that's yeah. going to stand up. You know how it works. People people um, in high places, Stu, can tweak, tweak things more so than others. So he might have a few people in important places. I don't know he has a private jet like some of these Hollywood types. I don't know what you're getting at there. <laughs> Four-time premiership coach. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. But speaking of coaches, I think but what's happening at Carlton's disgraceful. And, and I don't think Teague, for what it's worth, is, is fit for the job. I don't think he's shown that he's a great coach and probably be should be sacked on, on, on that. But it's just been embarrassing how they've treated him, saying that if they can get another coach that they seem to be better, they'll do that and they'll keep him if not. It's just here. Like, there is the right man. Or Melbourne did right a man. much better job where they did the internal review um, halfway through, and then they did a much thorough one um, after the season. Actually, the, the thorough one after the season, they didn't do a good job. So bad reflection. The year after, they did a much better one after the season. So if they take the approach of the mid-season internal, and then the, uh, after the season have it have the external, I think that's a much better way outside of prying eyes it just it has too much media attention going through the season it was a f- huge distraction mm. and probably don't get whoever was leaking the information about the probably don't leak information about everything that's going on as well probably not 
Yeah, there's always there's always someone that leaks information and yeah. Well, it's, these, it's always... these aren't leaking information these days, which is a good sign. Other than Tom no, Morris, whoever's feeding Tom Morris. Yeah, exactly. I think Tom Morris, even um, a few players um, identified that a few years ago because he was working at the club a few uh, before he got into the media. Um, so I think now that he's uh, out of a football club environment, it's good. You don't want people like that. Probably good good media person. I don't mind him um, in terms of what he does, but he fl- um, he's a flip flopper. And I don't like it that he. I don't like it. He's backing us late. He's 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 made I know. after round twenty three to back yeah. us. You're joking. Yeah, I think he's had some work on his uh, hair. By the way, I believe he's um, had a hair that. transplant of some sort. But um... <laughs> he watched the Shane Warne ads, obviously. <laughs> he watched the Shane Warne. <laughs> All righty, Stu. Are we going to go into the other games, or I think we just leave it at that? We might leave it that. We're, we're getting into yeah. hair hair conversation. We might. Yeah. <laughs> We've hit the bottom of the barrel. It looks good, Tom. Don't worry. Just keep your keep the Melbourne Footy Club. Um, don't jinx us or anything like that out of your mouth. Yes. Go days. Go days.